Welcome to Front Office Pros, brought to you by the Front Office Pros, Steve and Joe. The NFL season is less than two months away, and we've been going through divisional breakdowns as we prepare for the season. We are now going over to the NFC. We went through the four divisions of the AFC, and with us today for the NFC East as a first-time guest on Front Office Pros, which is none other than Will Ty. Will is the co-founder of Better Fantasy. Will, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Super pumped, guys. This is going to be great. Talk a little NFC East football, baby. Hut, hut, hike! Well, last season in the NFC East, it was uh, quite the doozy with three teams uh, making the playoffs. The NFC East was quite mediocre uh, since before last season. So the Eagles were 14-3. and They were the NFC East division champions and the representative for the NFC for the Super Bowl. The Dallas Cowboys went 12-5 and and, and clinched a wild card spot. The New York Giants, your New York Giants, Will, uh, also made the wild card with first head time head coach Brian Dayball. With, he had a 9-7 record. And then the Washington Commanders missed the playoffs. They were 8-8-1. Eight, eight so based on what has happened this offseason, what is your guys' prediction on who will be the NFC East division champion? I mean, guys, how can you not say the Eagles again, right? Uh, all they did was get better through the draft. Um Jalen Hurts presumably could could take another step up. Uh, two sick defensive players from Georgia, the best defense of, of all time in college football in the draft. Uh, great offense, great great you know guys in the trenches on both sides of the football. It's got to be the Eagles, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they definitely are the most talented team in the division. And you know, as, as you mentioned, they got better this offseason. Jalen Hurts is still young and can take the extra step. It, it's it's definitely the Eagles. Yeah, I think the one I, I agree to uh, consensus here, guys. I think it's going to be the Eagles as well. One thing will be interesting to see is how this team gels with some of the players that are no longer on the team, and then people stepping up to fill those roles. So, I mean, you had you know big players for them: Miles Sanders on the offense, uh, no longer there. Uh, lost some offensive linemen as well. You've got on the defensive side. Both their starting linebackers and TJ Edwards and Kaiser White losing Javon Hargrave, uh, who is one of the better interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and then also uh, losing CJ Gardner Johnson in the back, who they ended up trading for. Uh, so definitely some changes, but they are also able to retain some guys. And like you mentioned, Will, we're able to bring some um, you know great depth to back to the team uh, through the drafting of Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. And seeing even internally guys really stepping up uh, with the Kobe Dean now most likely taking over um, at that middle linebacker position. But I, I agree. I think the Eagles are probably one of the most, if not the most, talented roster uh, in the NFL. Uh, so they should continue to do well. As a Giants fan, they're really frustrating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could de- I could definitely see that. So. How about wildcard teams? We saw two teams make it uh, as a wildcard team last year. Are there any wildcard teams that come out of the NFC East? Yeah, I mean, odds are there's got to be one, guys, just because this is still, you know, Giants, I think, are going to take another step up this year, potentially. Um, Cowboys, still still talented roster. Um, and then the Commanders are interesting, too, now with, with the enemy coming in. Um, there's a lot of talent on that roster also on both sides of the football. So I think there's a lot of room for all three teams that aren't named the Philadelphia Eagles to be in the mix. Um, and then the other thing too, that's kind of important is the, uh, the, the non-conference or non-division, uh, 
divisions that each all four teams in the NFC East will play, right? So so this year the NFC East plays the NFC West and we play the AFC East. So those are two pretty difficult divisions, I would say. I mean, we think the Rams are going to take a step up. You know, the Seahawks were a playoff team last year. The 49ers were a great team. Cardinals, that, that should be an easy win for all four. But then the AFC East also, like we're going to play the Bills. We're going to play the Dolphins. We're going to play the Patriots. We're going to play the Jets. That's going to be tough, right? Those are those are eight games that are going to be tough. And so I think uh, – I don't think it's a shoe-in necessarily, but but these are pretty high-level teams. Um I, I think we'll, I think we'll sneak one in. I don't think we'll get two like we did last year. Um, but I, but I think, you know, this, this is, this sets up pretty well for, for all four teams to, to definitely have a shot at the playoffs. Um, I don't think there's a team like the Cardinals necessarily that's going to be tanking. Um, and so I would say if I was a betting man, which I am, I would say that one <laughs> team not named the Eagles makes the, makes the playoffs in the wild card spot. Who it is, it's going to be tough to say, but I think we get one. If you had to pick one on the spot, what's the one? Uh, I I would say the Giants, just because I think they have the coaching advantage over the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys still a great team. Brandon Cooks is going to do pretty well for them this year. We might talk about him a little bit a little bit later. Um, but I just think the Giant the Giants got a lot better. If if Evan Neal can take a step up at, on the offensive line, um, they're going to they're going to be another electric offense this year. Solid defense there. Um, you know, with Wink, Wink Martindale as the defensive coordinator. So I think it would be the Giants. If And I'm trying to be as objective as I can there, but I think it will be. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually like, uh, you know, two wildcard teams coming out just like mm-hmm. last year. I just think, you know, this is definitely the most talented division in the NFC. Um, you know, as far as the four teams across the board, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty tough. It's a good point that you make, you know, they're facing the, you know, out of conference schedule with the, you know, NFC West, AFC East, that definitely is tough. Um, but there's just not that many other teams in the NFC I like that much. So I like the Cowboys and Giants to be the wild card teams out of the division here. Interesting. So I only got one team making it. And my reason being is we know that every year, usually four to six teams will become a playoff team that weren't a playoff team before. So going through our AFC teams, I've got two newbies which would be the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. I got to have a couple more that come on the NFC side, Uh, but it's not going to be the Commanders. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) that's going to be another division. Uh, But I only have one team as a result making it, and I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys um, have a talented roster. Uh, They were able to add, I think, some really good pieces to that team. Um, adding Brandon Cooks on the offensive side, like you said, we'll, we'll probably be talking about him, as well as Stephon Gilmore. I know he's getting a little bit older in his career, but having him and Trayvon Diggs, I think, uh, you know, usually when you have two really good corners, you can't just shy away from the one. you got to deal with both. Uh, so I think that will help the whole secondary. Uh, so I, I like uh, what the Cowboys uh, could have on this team. I know they <laughs> seem to be always an underachiever. And I am a little concerned about Kellen Moore not being there. Uh, and will Mike McCarthy just run the team into the ground? <laughs> and uh, it'll be a disaster. And we'll be seeing it all over SportsCenter uh, that uh, what are the Cowboys doing? Uh, but te- for the teams that didn't make the playoffs, Will, what are the two teams? Through- so what, what's the order? We've got the Cowboys and the Commanders who missed. Uh, where do they land in an order for you? So, so, so you're asking Steve, what, what is the order of finish going to be in the NFC East? Correct. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the Eagles up top, you know, vying for that, vying for that first overall seat again this year. Um, and then, and then I will go with the Giants. 
And then I'm going to go with the commanders over the Cowboys. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I, you know, I have faith in the talent on that roster. Um, and, you know, Ron Rivera, Mike McCarthy, are we really losing much there? I know everybody likes to slam Ron Rivera as being like this bad coach that doesn't know what's going on in the modern NFL. But like, you know, is Mike McCarthy a good coach? <laughs> I mean, good, good talent on both sides of the ball, solid defensive front, um, great weapons on offense. I think, I think the command, it's not as much an indictment at, on the Cowboys as I think the commanders are going to surprise some people this year. And so that's why I have them finishing above Dallas. Yeah, I could definitely see the commanders making some surprises, but you know, I still have to put them fourth. But uh, you know, I had the Eagles one, uh, Cowboys at two, and the Giants have at three. Yeah, so for me, I've got the Giants at three and Commanders at four. Partially why I have the Commanders last is I, you know, and you know, people look at strength of schedule, and I do think it's it's a valuable measure to look at going into the next season, but it is based on you know, how teams did last year. And we know that these teams are going to completely change. Uh, but based on that, though, commanders have the most difficult schedule, um, which I was kind of surprised about. You would think because they're last, they're going to play the other teams that are last, uh, you know, at least in the NFC for the, the two divisions uh, that they don't that they don't play up against. But, uh, you know, for me, I think they've got the worst quarterback in the division. I don't think it's really even yeah. close. Um, so it's going to be hard for them. To be, I think they have a really good defense, but for whatever reason, they took a step back last year. Uh, it's kind of really bizarre. You'd think that based on how the players they have there, it would it, that wouldn't have happened. I do like the addition of Eric Bieniemy. I think that could really help the offense because Rivera is a defensive-minded head coach. Um, so that could really help that offense as a whole from an efficiency standpoint. As far as the Giants go, why I have them three. Um, I just don't know if they did enough to propel them to move forward. I, I think um, I, I'm a fan of Brian Dable and Joe Shane coming over from Buffalo. I think they've really righted the ship. Um, I'm not a big believer in Daniel Jones. Uh, that's my problem. <laughs> and I don't really think, other than the addition of Darren Waller, they really haven't done much to add around him. I, I like Jalen Hyatt. I don't know if I would expect him to really take that leap this year. It sounds like it may, it may be towards the end of this year. So, and I and I'm not. I gotta tell you, well, I'm not liking what's going on with Saquon Barkley right now. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. Today, today's the day. I don't know if uh, you know. We're, we're, I don't know. I at this point, we don't know whether or not he'll have a new deal before the franchise. Uh, deadline for him to be able to sign a new contract so there's a lot of things for me that i'm not you know they, if he does if he holds out uh past training camp or doesn't play week one i really don't like that for him and he's the engine for that offense yeah 100 i think what you said too steve about daniel jones being a little suspect on him still is super warranted um you know last year was an anomaly in his career arc granted he hasn't played with a receiver as good as darren waller could be um, but look, he doesn't get through his progressions that well. He's a first read kind of guy. If he doesn't see someone open right away, he tucks it and runs, which he's good at, but he's not going to be that guy that, that, that is the reason, you know, you're, you're a, a dominant team. You know, he can be a system guy. He can be a really good system guy and Brian Dable can use him well. Um, but if things start to go awry, I, like I don't have supreme confidence in Daniel Jones either. Just want to say that. 
<laughs> That's good. You're an objective Giants fan. I like that. Well, <laughs> dude, I hated. I no no offense to Daniel Jones because I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I hated the pick when we made it six overall back in I think 2018. I was like, dude, what are we doing? Like this guy, like come on. And so I've always been a little suspect of him. Last year was great, um, but that that uh, those doubts are still there in the back of my mind for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he you know, kind of takes a jump with his second year with Dayball. Um, finally, a little bit of consistency in that quarterback room for him as well. But, you know, as you mentioned, Steve, if Saquon Barkley's not there, I mean, Dayball's plane was literally, how many ways can we get 26 the ball? That completely changes this offense, and then I'd be concerned. So transitioning over to the fantasy football side, because we are a, a fantasy football channel, uh, let's talk about sleepers, guys. So we're going to go through each team in the NFC East, and I want you to give me a sleeper. Could be a really deep uh, sleeper, or it could be somebody who, you know, when it, you just they they have a, a lower ADP and you're higher on them. So we'll start off with the Philadelphia Eagles. What is your guys' sleeper for them? All right, save for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my sleeper is running back Kenneth Gainwell. You know. <laughs> He's not getting the buzz that the other running backs are in this offense, but he's the guy that was with the team last year. The Eagles seem to like him. I don't think it's just, you know, a given that Rashad Penny or DeAndre Swift are just going to, you know, take the backfield away. And those guys, you know, usually get hurt. And if that happens, uh, Kenneth Greenwell is definitely going to get utilized more. And I actually like his potential opportunity in this offense. Yeah, I think I, I think Kenneth Gainwell is somebody that I've been interested in for a while now, Joe. So I like that pick. Um, he could he's a he's a really good receiving back, um, and so we'll see if he fits into the role into the offense. And you know, if everyone's healthy, and then if if everybody's not, obviously a great chance for him to you know get involved in in, a, in an offense. But that that's elite. But um, I'm going to go in a similar vein here because I was going to say Kenneth Gainwell, but I'm going to go oh. with Trey Sermon. <laughs> I'm going to go with Trey wow, Sermon, guys. Wow. And this is, I know, this is super deep. This is like a free square on your draft. Um, but look, I still believe in Trey Sermon as a player. I know the thing in San Francisco didn't work out, but it also didn't work out for Trey Lance, who was the third overall pick. You know what I mean? I don't think that's necessarily like, it, it didn't work out for Brandon Ayuk, who's immensely talented, right, for, for a couple of years. Like, if you get into the uh, Shanahan doghouse, it's hard to get out. And I think that's that's just simply what happened to Trey Sermon. So, I'm not expecting him to to win this job or anything like that, but there is a path to him being being a very good player in this offense. Like you said, Rashad Penny and, and DeAndre Swift, not exactly bastions of uh, staying healthy. And so if he can, you know, carve out a role, get some touches, show some, show some things, uh, and he shows that talent that I think he has, I think we could be looking at Trey Sermon – Sort of like uh, how we're looking at Rashad Penny right now is like like a pretty good, interesting player that you can get in like the seventh, eighth round come next year. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Will, because I remember, I want to say it was around like, I think it was post-Super Bowl, possibly like February, March time frame. But there was a time where I was seeing on like Roto World where uh, Nick Sirianni came out and said like, you know, Trey Sermon's really talented, you know, who knows if it was coach speak or not, but it was like, we're really looking forward to him next year. Mind you, this was before they signed Rashad Penny, before they traded for DeAndre Swift. So there was a period of time where I was like, ooh, <laughs> you know, like I, I need to remember this when it comes to Trey Sermon. But, you know, when it comes to them, it's tough, right? Because the Eagles, like A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are established. Dallas Goddard, 
he's established at a tight end. So, and Hertz is established at the quarterback. So where are you going to go? So I'm with you. I think the sleeper is going to be found in the running back room. Uh, I'm going to go with Rashad Penny. You know, they uh, brought him in as a free agent. He's very explosive. The problem with him is can he stay healthy? That's the biggest thing. Uh, so, you know, I don't really know. I think, I think Swift probably has the, you know, just based on name, I think he has the uh, biggest opportunity there um, to, to really take over that backfield. But I think Penny, he has the ability to be really explosive. And if they use him a decent bit, um, I think he could do really well. So I, that's where I think with Gainwell, I hear what you're saying, Joe. I just, um, I think he's a great pass catching back. I just, I question the ceiling uh, on him. And so that's why I'm going to lean towards the guy who I think has a bigger ceiling. Rashad Penny could be great this year. Like he could be, he could be a league winner for sure. I took him in the fishbowl um, last week. Uh, great pick, great player. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be at least Miles Sanders, right? From last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's possible. I think the only thing that that is uh, stacked against him is just the, the amount of running backs he has to contend with. Last year, Sanders only really had the. I mean, I guess they added Trey Sermon late, but you know, really the only person he really had to contend with is. Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, but even then you saw Boston Scott, uh, you know, <laughs> to get some touchdowns as well. So um, we'll have to see what happens. And Hertz also takes away that, that uh, some of that rushing ability. Yeah, I was going to say the, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the goal line. It's just a complete fantasy nightmare. It's either quarterback <laughs> sneak with Jalen Hurts. They, like you said, they could bring in Boston Scott or anybody. You just never know what's going to happen. You know, once they get close to that goal line situation, who's going to get the touchdown. So going over to the Dallas Cowboys, what is your guys' sleepers for them? You know, I'm actually uh, sticking with the running backs here. And I actually like Deuce Vaughn's a sleeper, Steve. I know you don't mm. like this guy because, you know, he's under 5'9", he's 5'6", and, you know, he's not the heaviest guy. But we're just talking about a super productive player um, in college that he was at Kansas State. And... I, you know, we all know that Tony Pollard can't get a heavy, you know, workload uh, just because from durability, he's not the biggest guy in the world either. And I think, you know, if he gets utilized in the passing game, um, you know, we also saw, you know, Darren Sproles at five, six, you know, make a very productive living in the receiving game at running back, not saying Deuce Vaughn's going to be Darren Sproles, but I think there's a role for him and opportunities for him. You know, they really only have Malik Davis. Uh, and then I'm not a Ronald Jones believer, but they also have him. Um, so, I mean, there's not too much competition for him. And if he gets utilized correctly, you know, I think he could be good this year. Great story too, with, uh, his dad doing the call on draft. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, I would, I'm going to go with Brandon Cook guys. I know I just alluded to him at the top of the show, but this is a wide receiver. That's just a really solid NFL player. I think we can all agree with that. Um, and he's going to probably be the second option in the offense. You know, he's going to get looks. He's going to get targets. He's a good player. And I think just based on where he's going right now, um, he's a great value. If you can snag him in, in what, like the eighth round as your wide receiver two, that's pretty good. You can get some really good players elsewhere and, and kind of punt on wide receiver two, get Brandon Cooks late. I think he'll be very serviceable and, and sort of outperform his current ADP. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I think last year when it came to the Brandon Cooks conversation – it seemed like everybody was like, this guy's a high wide receiver too. He's going to have a huge target share in the Houston Texans offense with Davis Mills. <laughs> and then the Texans offense was brutal and <laughs> Cooks had a horrible season. And now it seems like as a result, 
the 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 industry at large is really i think overlooking him and not even thinking about him uh, so i think that's a good pick my pick uh you know i i guess i have a thing for rookie tight ends joe but uh it's got to be luke schoonmacher you know when it comes down to the dallas cowboys offense for whatever reason maybe it's kellen moore we're gonna find out but i don't know does this there's this certain teams that have a knack for developing a position and just having it be really productive i mean Look, look at the Cowboys tight ends over the past few years. You know, you've had Dalton Schultz, right? He was really a nobody, came out, emerged, ended up being a great player. Blake Jarwin came out of nowhere, was fantasy relevant uh, for a while. And obviously, you know, Jason Witten, who, you know, was also, you know, a late round guy. And then he ended up being a good player. They drafted Schumacher in the second round. I know they've got Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, but... Uh, you know, if you're going to draft a tight end that high, uh, they have they have planned to use them. And so I think when it comes down to it, Dak, you know, has really relied on that tight end um, middle of the field uh, option. And so I think Schoonmacher could definitely be used, uh, you know, early and often. So I like him. I think um, I don't know what his current ADP is right now, but I'm sure it's pretty low uh, because people aren't expecting a lot because he fits that rookie tight end mold. Uh, where, you know, usually rookie tight ends don't perform in their first year, but I'm sticking to it. And I'm believing the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world that say this is the best tight end draft we've seen in decades. So if that's the case, then we should see these tight ends perform better than most rookie tight ends have over the, the decades we've seen. He got some good draft capital too there. Um did Schumacher. So interested to see how he does. And I think, I mean, he's a free square player also, you know, you can get him at the way end of your draft. So I like that pick a lot, Steve. Hey, thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Joe <laughs> doesn't like it as much. So at least I got someone who likes it. Well, it's just interesting, Steve. I mean, you're really, you're really living on the edge there with these, you know, rookie tight ends uh, performing better than, you know, years of data has suggested that rookie tight ends in year one don't produce that well for fantasy. <laughs> But you're always going to have outliers. You're always going to have, you know, players that come in that don't fit the prototypical mold. And this class is unlike the rest. So uh, as a result, if that's the case, we should see something new. So that's what uh, I'm sticking to. And if not, then I'll be on them next year <laughs> for year two. And everybody else will join me. Uh, yeah, it's like Jake Ferguson then. Uh, I did like Jake Ferguson until they drafted the Schoonmacher. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So heading over to the your New York Giants. Well, curious to your sleeper here, but what is your sleepers, guys, for the Giants? Yeah, for the Giants, I'm actually going to go with Paris Campbell. Nice. Um, you know, this isn't a this is a very crowded uh, wide receiver room in New York, but I just think that even though it's crowded, there's nobody that's the clearing away, like number one guy out of this wide receiver class. You know, we've seen Paris Campbell be productive with the Colts and I'm curious to see, you know, if he's able to stay healthy, you know, I think he can carve himself out a nice role in this, you know, giants passing offense that desperately needs somebody to emerge and be a consistent target for Daniel Jones. I'm excited about Paris Campbell, man. He's, he's just, he's going to be an insane athlete having him and Wandale together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, pretty excited about him. We'll see if Jones can get him the ball, but uh, excited to see what Dable can scheme up. Like there's going to be maybe some end arounds and, and different things like that. He's just, he's such an athlete and that's something the giants didn't have last year. And so we'll see what Dable can do, can do with that. Okay. So my, so my sleeper for my G men, 
I know I just trashed them earlier, but I'm gonna go with Dan- <laughs> I'm gonna go with Daniel Jones. Oh, um, I know, and it's 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 I I shouldn't say I trashed him earlier. Like I love Dan- I love Daniel Jones. He's my guy. You know, um, is he like the guy? Probably not. Um, but I think he's I think he clearly demonstrated that he can you know sort of keep the keep the train on schedule with regards to the offense. Um, and he's going to take advantage of the Brian Dable boost, if you will. Um, and, and not for nothing guys, like he is legitimately one of the best runner running quarterbacks in the league. And that's the cheat code right now in in modern day fantasy football with regards to the quarterback position, he's going to get you those points. Like he's going to give you that floor. Um, if Waller can take a step up or if Waller can add something to to the passing game, if Paris Campbell can add something to the passing game, like, you know, those little like forward shuttle passes that, uh, the, the Kansas city does all the time, like on and stuff like that's going to like, we can see that kind of stuff with Paris Campbell and that counts as a passing touchdown, you know? So I, I think Jones is just going a little too late. Like I'd much rather have him than Kirk cousins, you know, who, who has no rushing upside. I'd much rather have him than, than a lot of other guys that are going ahead of him. So with regards to sleeper, like, you know, is Daniel Jones going to ever be one of those, like, like, is he going to do what Jalen Hurts did last year? No, but He's, he, I think he has a really good chance to outperform his current ADP. So he would be my, my sleeper pick for the Giants. Yeah, it, that, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting you to make that, uh, that twist <laughs> there. But I, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. I, I think his rushing ability personally is a little bit of an oversell for, for most people uh, when it comes down to him. Um, I do think him going into the year two of Dayball's system um, could, could possibly help him as well just because it, you know, it takes a while for a quarterback uh, to learn that that system. So I, I do like that component. But for me, my sleeper is Paris Campbell as well, Joe. I, I like wow. Campbell a lot. Yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, in that Indianapolis Colts offense, if he could stay healthy, you saw even the reliance that Matt Ryan had on him. He's a safety blanket type of receiver. And, uh, you know, I, I see him, and I'm not saying he's the same player, but I could see him in sort of a Cole Beasley type of role um, that uh, Dayball used in the Bills. Uh, when mm. Allen really took that step forward and really used him there. So I, I could see, I would, if he could stay healthy, this is really bold on my part. I'm not saying this. I'm still working on my projections uh, or we'll be, be getting my projections pretty soon, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if, uh, if Campbell stays healthy, he could get over hundred targets. I think, uh, you know, based on the offense, there really isn't somebody uh, who is the guy. I don't know if there will be a guy, um, but if it is, I'm kind of leaning towards him because Slayton, uh, he, he's not dependable. Uh, he, I think he's, he's a very explosive receiver, but he has too many drops. Uh, and then with Jalen Hyatt, I also like him a lot from a dynasty perspective, but um, can he really develop the route tree? Uh, it's a question. It could take him a while to develop. And Wandell's returning from an ACL, so who's the guy? Uh, so that, that's, that's kind of where I'm leaning to. Is I like Campbell as a, as a sleeper uh, late I love it. I'm pretty out on Hyatt for the record, just because. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think just because his only his only like sort of value add as a player is his deep ball, right? Or is his ability to go run yeah. a nine route, go deep, and just you know, Daniel Jones doesn't throw it deep. He doesn't throw it. He doesn't. <laughs> it's not like he can't. He just doesn't do it. Like he doesn't pull the trigger on those deep throws for whatever reason. So I, from a fantasy perspective. I'm not expecting too much from Jalen Hyatt um, this year, maybe even the next couple of years. Wow. See, wow. I, I like him uh, in because, A, 
they can get out of that Jones contract, and I don't believe Jones is the guy, number one. Same. Same. Number two, I have enough confidence in Dayball that if he knew what he was doing drafting him, and I think he can develop him. You got to remember Gabe Davis, when they drafted him with the Bills, I want to say he was a fourth-round pick. I didn't think that he developed to be the receiver that he has been today. Uh, so I think that um, he definitely benefited. Uh, the whole team, obviously, even Josh Allen benefited with Dayball being the offensive coordinator for the years that he was. So I think Dayball is one of the more brighter offensive minds we have in this game. So I'm having – I agree with you. I – it was one of those things, and sometimes I have to balance, and I'm learning this, sometimes you have to balance between talent and team that drafted them. So I, I tend to lean too heavily – on where they were drafted. So if they were drafted in a horrible location, then I'm, I'm it usually they dive bomb for me. But if they were drafted in a really good spot, it ends up lifting them up. Hyatt's one of those that I think he went to a really good spot because I think he could be developed. Um, and I think I'm trusting that he could become a, a really a really good player because you can't teach speed. Yeah, and not not to turn this into the Jalen Hyatt hour, but one last thing I want to say, <laughs> I, I will say on it. Um, in, in sort of like the, uh, the, the behind the scenes video that they did after they released the, they released it after the draft, um, they showed Dable and Shane kind of going back and forth, whether they would take, uh, John Schmitz, who's the center for Minnesota, they took in the second round or Jalen Hyatt. And they were sort of going back and forth and they were like, man, like, you know, Schmitz is here. He's a great player, but we love Hyatt. Like he's our guy. We really need him. So Mm. they, they, they had a second round grade on him, you know? So I like, like if, if it just as a data point that I think that's an important thing to recognize and remember that they really, really like him and they really value him. And it's because they see a role for him in this offense. And so even if we didn't see it in college at Tennessee, like Jalen Hyatt, to your point, Steve could, could carve out a new role uh, in this offense behind Brian Dable. All right, guys. So heading over to the last team of the division, the Washington commanders, uh, who was your sleeper for them? Yeah. For the commanders, I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson. Um, he's a guy that I'm really increasing to like this year. Um, I, I just think with Eric Bieniemy coming over and JD McKissick being gone, I think he's going to get a heavier receiving, uh, workload. And, and if he does, I, I think he could, if he has that type of like CMC type role on this offense, you know, I think he's in line for a really good year this year. I love that. I, I, I'm personally going to go with, um, uh, Jahan Dotson, um, just because I think where he's going right now in drafts, like you can have D- Jahan Dotson or Darnell Mooney, right? You can have Jahan Dotson or, or Juju Schuster. I think he just has the upside there. I think he's a really talented player. It's a good route runner. He might he might turn out to be a better player than Terry McLaurin this year. We don't know. He could be the first option. So I, I like I like Dotson. I like Gibson. I think there's a ton of value here on this Commanders team for sure. Yeah, Joe, I, you and I are on the same page again. I'm going with Antonio <laughs> Gibson. I, I'm with you. I think uh, J.D. McKissick no longer being there. He really – I mean, they drafted, I think, that Chris Rodriguez, who I think has the ability, but he was a late-round running back. I I don't – I'm not expecting a Isaiah Pacheco type of deal <laughs> when it comes to the commanders. I think it really is going to be Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, but I think I even saw recently that they've been uh, trying to have reps for Gibson as a wide receiver. He's, uh, he's he's asking for it. He's asking, um, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I saw, saw he was that. a wide receiver at Memphis, right? Like, get him, put him back yeah. in a position where he's comfortable. 
Yeah, so I think as a result, my, my belief in him is really Eric Bieniemy. I think that Eric Bieniemy is going to – he is the chess piece, I think, for that offense. So I think as a result, we he's one of those guys that, that I think it always kind of gets a little bit more buzz, a little bit more buzz. You know, and people were like, oh, you know, you should be in on him last year. You know, when Brian Robinson, unfortunately, you know, you know, had that incident and got shot, you know, it was like, Oh, maybe it's Antonio Gibson. He's going to be, you know, it might take a while for Brian Robinson to get back, you know? And then the year before that, you know, it's like, I think it seems like always are, they want to believe in Gibson, but then it never really comes to fruition. He's in a contract year. And when you're in a contract year, I always say they try to ball out the cash out. So I think that Gibson is going to take that step forward. I think he's going to do really well this year. So I'm with you, Joe. The other thing on the contract year too is they're going to run him into the ground. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So that's another. I love Antonio Gibson. I, I took him. Uh, I did my first ever dynasty startup draft, guys, in, in 2020. Um, and I reached for Antonio Gibson. I was super excited about it because, you know, Matthew Barry was saying that he loved Antonio Gibson. It was all this fun. And then he he hasn't put up the numbers, but he's, he's looked really good, right? Like he's looked awesome on film. And so it just, Maybe it's one of these things where he goes to another team in a couple of years and, and he and he like, you know, becomes that guy, but he could still become that guy this year. And I think the value is definitely there in drafts where he's currently going. Yeah. <clears throat> to your point as well. Well, I, you know, Jahan Dotson's a guy, another guy I really like this year. Um, got got him on my Scott Fishbowl team. Nice. Um, and I and I wouldn't be shocked, like you said, if he kind of does take overtake McLaurin in this offense. Did you stack him with uh Jacoby Brissett or no? <laughs> no, you know, uh, quarterbacks like for like the third quarterbacks in my division, they just kind of like a run late, and I missed out on some guys. But yeah, I don't have any stacks with him. <laughs> so, you, I, is that a slip? Are you thinking that Sam Howell is uh, not going to be the quarterback there? No, no, I just don't think anybody in their right mind would draft Sam Howell where he was going in the fishbowl. Joe's a smart guy; he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I think it's really high too. Sam Howell went pretty early in my division. Yeah, it's crazy. Those those super flex drafts are always fun because it's like, like, are we really going to like value Sam Howell like the same as somebody like Travis Etienne or something crazy like that? Like, come on. Well, this might you might be playing your hand here, uh, Will, but uh, we're going to be talking about a bust for the division. We might have found out who your bust is, but what are your guys' bust uh, for the NFC East? Yeah, bust. I'm going to go with. I I know you'll like this one steve and i'm gonna say tony pollard Uh, the way his adp is and everyone is just so on tony pollard just because he's the guy and he's gonna get the most touches out of the backfield of dallas now that ezekiel elliott's gone i mean he's coming off of an injury what you know whether or not people don't seem to be concerned about that but he is coming off an injury last year um i don't think he's durable enough to get the 20 plus touches in a game so I don't know. I, I I think that where his ADP is, I think it's going to be tough for him to re- get the return on the investment you need. That, that breaks my heart because I have Tony <laughs> Pollard everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, you know your, your your rationale makes sense, Joe. We'll see. It, the health thing definitely scares me, just because he is not a big guy at all. Um, do you think they'll sign? You think they'll sign someone else? to sort of be that like third, like the, the goal line guy. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, there's rumors. Do they bring, you know, do they bring Ezekiel Elliott back um, kind of for that, 
short yardage roller? Do they bring even a guy like Leonard Fournette? And I, I think there's definitely a potential. Um, you know, I think uh, we'll see in training camp. I think that's when we expect these guys to sign. But it, it wouldn't shock me if Ezekiel gets back or they go with a guy like Leonard Fournette with the Cowboys offense here. Makes a lot of sense. Oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this. Um, <laughs> I, I literally have him everywhere. I have Tony Pollard everywhere. Um, no, my 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 bus, and, and I hate to say it because I really like this player. I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard. I just mm, think based on where he's going, he's going really high in drafts, guys. Um, and, and it's it's not a factor of I don't like his talent. I don't like – I love his situation, obviously, but there's just – and I hate this argument, but there's just so many mouths to feed. And he did rank seventh among tight ends in terms of target share last year, according to a uh, player profiler. But it's just, it's, it's a reach. Like, I think he's going right now in like the, the fifth, sixth round. Like that's pretty high. Um, I'd rather wait and get somebody like a Pat Fryermuth or, or take, take a chance on somebody later. Um, it just feels a little bit high for Dallas Goddard for somebody who's the third, third option in the passing game. Maybe even the fourth if DeAndre Swift is, is, you know, plays a big role too. So it's just a little high for me on Dallas Goddard. Well, Will, if you didn't like Joe's bust, you're not going to like my bust. Because <laughs> <laughs> my Uh-oh. bust is Tony Pollard as well. <laughs> uh, I, I have been. Uh, you guys just... are ambushing me. Why the hell did I come on? <laughs> Look, I, I've been banging the table on this for a long time. And, I've been, and I think I'm finally chipping away at Joe that he's, uh, that he's starting to agree with me here. But. Tony Pollard, to me, is fool's gold. I think people are expecting that now that Ezekiel Elliott is no longer in the offense, he is just going to, you know, get all these carries as a result. And I'm a guy, and you and I disagree a little bit on this part, Joe, but I'm a volume guy when it comes to running back. I mean, really anybody. Um, To me, volume is king. And if you're going to get the carries, you're going to get the targets. That's what matters. And... I don't think he's going to get the carries that people think he will. I think that they're going to they're going to use Malik Davis. I almost had him as a possible sleeper. Um, they might use Ronald Jones. They're going to use Deuce Vaughn sparingly. I could totally see them signing an Ezekiel Elliott or a Leonard Fournette or, or even a Kareem Hunter, somebody like that. You know, before you know, in the in the training camp before the beginning of the season. You know, I know he, you know, he broke his leg, you know, it, late too. You got to think about that too. I mean, this was the, you know, divisional round uh, in the, in the playoffs. Uh, this wasn't like week five or week 10 that this happened. So um, do they ease him in? And like I said, I, I, I think that his usage, what we saw from him is the max amount of usage you're going to see. I'm not even convinced that he's going to get over 200 carries. He's never had over 200 carries in his entire career. So I think somebody is going to share the load with him. I think people think that now that he's, that no one's there, right. He's going to get over 200 carries. He's going to be a target monster. He's going to, he's going to be used mightily. And I know someone knocked me on this recently when I mentioned like, Oh, well, Brandon cooks is there. I get Brandon cooks doesn't play running back, but the reality is he's going to demand a certain target. There's only, there's only so many mouths to feed. So Tony power can't have the ball. Uh, every play and you already have got cd lamb in that offense so i i just i think people that they are way too high on him they're reaching for him because they're expecting this huge jump in production uh, i just don't see it 
I, I totally, you guys have me scared now. <laughs> I totally see it. No, I totally see it. Like, look, last year was great because he had a lot of explosive plays and those aren't guaranteed to repeat themselves. Right. And so if he's going to sort of produce like he did last year, those have to be there because um, he's not big enough to carry to, to be like a three down back. And so if you think those will those will uh, happen again, the big plays, then then he's fine at his current ADP. But I think you guys are very smart for being cautious cautious about that happening. It, you just can't bank on it. And and Brandon Cooks is there. Like there's 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 he's not the number one guy in this offense. It's still Ceedee Lamb. So I think the I think uh, I don't want to change my answer now because I put my name on it, but. You guys have me thinking. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, real quick here, uh, you know, Joe, I know you've talked about this a little bit. We, we, I've mentioned the ETN is a bust. I think you have also kind of come around the corner and agree with me that he could be a bust as well. But I think your logic is, hey, you know, he might actually be more effective because he's not a guy who can take all the carries. So if he can kind of be in a 1A, 1B scenario, he'll actually do better. And so I think what we saw with Pollard last year, that was his ceiling. So even if he, he – it might actually be better for him uh, to have somebody else alongside him to help him. I, I just – even if that does happen at the end of the day, I, it doesn't matter. His, we've seen what his ceiling is, and I think last year, if he does what he did last year, I think he'll be happy. I just think the way he's being drafted, people are expecting him to do even more than that, and that's the problem I have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah that's, going, that's, right now he's going like eighth – overall like eighth among running backs they thought like in that range it's pretty high <laughs> yeah that was that was my problem as well steve and you know you mentioned that i you know i do think pollard and etn are quite similar i think they do need a 1a person to kind of take the load but then give them the ability to have those explosive plays because that's what they are able to create and you know give the return to the fantasy owners but we saw like etn like james gibson left everyone was like oh there's nobody in front of him anymore or James, James Robinson. Robinson, sorry, James Robinson. Yeah, Antonio or Gibson's James. on the brain, Joe. Yeah. So <laughs> James Robinson leaves, and everyone's smashing ETN. Always going to be this great guy. Well, he was the guy, and then he broke down and got hurt, and less explosive plays, so he was less interesting for fantasy. Not to go off too much on a tangent, but I think the way you guys are thinking about this is really smart, and it's kind of the way I think about Bijan right now. It's like you're drafting him right now at a ceiling, <laughs> and that's just not a smart way to play fantasy football. I think so, like. Draft a guy where you where if he doesn't hit his ceiling, like you're still, it's a, still a good draft pick for you. So, I'd, all right, I'm I'm coming. All right, Tony Pollard's a bust. I'm ready to say it. <laughs> well, well, I gotta tell you, you just dropped a bomb. Games <laughs> that you just said about Bijan Robinson. That's a little tangent. So we're gonna have to bring you back to talk about that because we could be <laughs> here for another fifteen or twenty minutes alone uh, you, to talk about Bijan Robinson. You, you made Steve pucker up over there. As as you <laughs> that that is for sure. That, that concludes our show, breaking down the NFC East division for the upcoming NFL season. Uh, before we sign off, Will, thanks so much again for coming on. Uh, where can others find your great work? Well, thanks for having me, guys. I mean, this was a ton of fun. It's Monday morning. We're talking football. Vibes are high. This is great. Um, you guys can find me personally on Twitter at WillTyFF. Uh, you can find our company, Better Fantasy, on Twitter at Better Fantasy. Um, if, if anybody's listening to this and, you know, it, it loves fantasy football, I'd love for you to download our app and send me a message. We can set some time to talk and I can get your feedback and that's that's what i'd love to plug really appreciate you guys having me on 
Awesome. Well, hey, if you enjoyed this video, we are a new channel. Uh, so we ask you to support us. You can like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go ahead and put a comment below. Who do you think uh, will win the NFC East and what will be the order of how we will finish? Will there be any wildcard team? We'd like to hear what you think. Also, you can follow us on Apple and Spotify podcasts. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and check out our other videos in the AFC, breaking down the divisions. We've had uh, guests that have come along the way, uh, which have been really exciting. Uh, so you want to check that out. Thank you so much for watching and until next time.